0: Welcome to Crossbridge. My name is Kevin and I'm the lead pastor and I'm really excited to share with you those that are sitting in Peru, those who are sitting in Morris, as well as every person who is engaging with us on our online campus. Welcome to Crossbridge and I truly hope and pray that uh, this message will be meaningful to you. Hey, I want to pause and I want to pray for us before we go any further. Father, thank you so much for today and for the opportunity to hear from you. I pray that you would speak to each of us individually, and that, Lord, we would hear from you. Help me as I do my best to communicate your message, and I pray, Lord, it wouldn't be about my words, it would be about you taking these words and connecting them to the hearts of the people. God, I give you thanks, in Jesus' name, amen. Alright, so we're back in the story. We've, we've been here a while, as you know. If you've missed, you can go to crossbridge.church and you can get caught up. But if this is your first time here, it's okay. I'm just going to tell you a story from the Bible. Actually, we're still in the Old Testament. And then I'm going to talk to you about how I think it can connect with your life. And I trust that the Holy Spirit can take these words. And my hope is you feel like uh, these words are meant for you. And if that happens, don't discount it, but give God credit for men. I think he knows where I am, and he's speaking to me, because he does it week in and week out here at Crossbridge. Hey, the children of Israel, they've been in Babylon for about 70 years, so we've had seven decades of uh, uh, clouds, I would say, but the sun is getting ready to break through. Um, they've got some good days ahead, and God is putting some things together in his upper story. And one of the things he's doing is he's working with the king that's in charge there right now. His name is Cyrus, and, and he's really changing his heart to make it soft towards the Jewish people. In fact, what you see is he changes that king's heart in, in a way in which the king sends the Jewish people back home to rebuild the temple. And, and not only does he give them permission to do that, but he also says, I'm gonna provide all the resources to get it done. Um, only God could do that kind of thing. Um, and in fact, I think that's, that's really probably one of the cool parts about this story. God is working behind the scenes and he's working through the people for him to accomplish what he needs to accomplish in, in, the, in, his, in the people's hearts. So why does God wanna rebuild the temple? Does God really need a building to live in? Um, probably not physical building, right? And, but I do think this, I think what he's doing here is he's taking this temple and the rebuilding of it, and he's going to use it as an illustration to communicate uh, what he needs to to his people about the kind of relationship he wants with them. Let me explain that a little further. I, I think there's, in fact, two big things that I think are uh, happening in the midst of this temple rebuilding. The first one is this, that God desires to be close to his people. Like I think he wants to be close. In fact, the, the temple uh, was going to be located, this rebuilding of the temple, you think about it, the temple is located in, uh, right in the middle of the most populated pocket of Jews. And, and God is not looking to dwell on some distant mountain, but right in the midst of the people. That God is moving into the neighborhood, and this speaks volumes about God desiring to be close to the people. And, and I believe the same today. God desires to be close to you and I, and he wants a relationship with you and I. This week, um, I was on Facebook, and I noticed this probably happens to you once in a while, too, if you're on Facebook. Every once in a while, a picture will pop up, and it's a picture from uh, your history. And so there was a picture that popped up that was probably in the neighborhood of being about eight years old on, on my page. And I saw it pop up, and it was me and my daughter. And you're going to see it too. There, there, There's a picture and she's kind of leaning in and she's so little and I look so um, young and thinner. And, but let's, let's just ignore that. But she looks so little and she's leaning in. And uh, in some ways, like I think she's still like eight years later, right? I, I'm guessing she was about nine in that picture, uh, eight or nine. She's 17 now, uh, going to be 18 very soon. And, and I thought, in some ways, like, she is the same little girl, the same mannerisms, and the same, like, I, and I've watched her go from this little girl to a little bit taller girl, but I've watched her grow into a young woman, and and here's kind of what's interesting to me. Like, back then, you know, I mean, she was my little girl, and she would lean in, and we've went through those teenage years, right, and trust me, like, there was not always leaning in, like, giving dad hugs, but to this day, I would say, that my daughter still will lean in that very same way and give her dad a hug. And it still warms my heart just as much as when I look at that picture. You know, when I think about our relationship with God, uh, I I want to picture it like that. In fact, I I want to picture God more probably like my daughter who is always leaning in. Um, God is always leaning in, desiring closeness, in his relationship with us. I think many times that's hard for us to believe. It's hard for us to believe that when we have been less than faithful and when we've done things we shouldn't or we've done things that we know create distance from God, it's hard to believe that he still wants to put an arm around us, right? And, uh, but he does. It's who he is and it's been consistent and he's communicating that in the rebuilding of this temple right amongst the people to say, I want to be with you and I want to be close to you. The second thing that I think is being communicated in the midst of this rebuilding of the temple is is God is bringing to the surface the problem of sin and the solution for it. Uh, What you may not know about the temple is is that um, there was a separate room in there called the Holy of Holies. And not just anyone could walk into the holy of holies. In fact, only the priest could, and I believe it was like one time a year. And when he did, uh, there had to be bloodshed to even go in, bloodshed on behalf of the sins of the people. I think um, even, even knowing that, like there had to be this fear and awe, this holy of holies, like this is where God is, and even to enter like is dangerous. right? There's, there's this picture that I think would have been spoken very largely to the people that would have said, sin is a big deal. And sin is such a big deal because it is what stands between us and our relationship with God. And I think God was also painting a picture that would be fully revealed in the New Testament that blood would need to be shed to be in relationship with him. And, uh, and again, that will come to full, full realization as, as we move into the New Testament very soon. Sin is a real issue, and uh, that real issue God came to deal with. Now, let's talk about the project. Um, imagine how big a project this would have been, that the temple was destroyed, and they're going to go back, and collectively, they're all going to lean in. And they're going to rebuild the thing. I mean, it would have been the centerpiece. It would have been what everyone was talking about. It would have been everybody contributing. Um, God's big thing was their big thing. That's a really important line. God's big thing was their big thing. Now there were people on the outside that were trying to discourage this. And here's what we know: that after a few years, they got tired, overwhelmed, they grew weary. How many of us, let's be honest, we can say we've started projects, and then we got overwhelmed, we've grown weary, and uh, we don't have the same gusto uh, that we had when we started. In fact, there's many times, right, where we start something and we have trouble completing it. This project had a great start, but (laughs) the... uh, The amount of work and and what they were getting done was fading fast. And one by one, they began to turn away from the temple and concentrate on their own thing. God's big thing was now becoming their small thing. Before they knew it, 16 years came and went, and the temple still wasn't rebuilt. Now, we're under a construction project right now at our Ottawa campus. And let me tell you something. If we're 16 years down the road and it's not done, it is not going to be good In all reality, we're hoping to finish in November, but even if it was next November, we would have major, major problems, right? It would be that somehow or another we got distracted, and somehow or another the focus went away, or money ran out, or whatever that was, right? But it would be alarming. This was the same kind of thing that was happening here. Um, In fact, it reminded me the other day, I was walking through a building, a building that was actually for sale. Um, It was a commercial building. And as I was walking through it, here, here's, here's what I noticed. Um, I entered a certain portion of the building and there were like these half-studded walls all over the place. So you could tell like, you know, there was supposed to be a room being built here and it was supposed to be a room here and I was walking between them. There was supposed to be a room back here. And, and you could just tell it looked like, here's what I would say, it looked like that someone had started this project and was investing money in it. And all of a sudden the workers went to lunch one day and they just didn't come back. I thought to myself as I was walking through it, I thought, I wonder what the story is here. Why would someone invest this money? Why would not someone invest the resources? Why would they only do part of it? Why would they dream this dream, then they had a plan, and just walk away? A construction project that just never got to see the finish line. Uh, Let's talk about what happened with the Jews um, surrounding this temple. So it's, it, the scripture tells us this, that they began to do their own thing, right? That they began to work on their own stuff. And so the houses of the Jews flourished, their businesses grew, and to their surprise, they became more miserable each and every day. Isn't that interesting? I mean, they were, they were working on their stuff and they were gaining ground. And it says, I mean, like, in a sense, they were, they were building things and business was growing. And to their surprise, they became more miserable each day. Man, I think some of us could relate to that. There's times when we just keep adding and we keep we keep chasing and we keep thinking the next thing is going to bring joy in our life and the next thing is going to bring joy in our life and what we discover is it just doesn't fill the gap that we have. That there's a void that no matter what you put in it, it cannot fill it because I believe this with all my heart. You have a void in your heart that can only be filled by God and that's the only thing that will ever bring you joy. Listen to Haggai chapter one. It says this. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Listen to this line give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. This is how God responds when we make his big thing a small thing. In fact, um, I, I love when he says, give careful thought to your ways. In some ways, I think what he's saying is, man, you have been chasing all this stuff. You know, you put on clothes, but you're not warm. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You earn wages, but it's like your, your purses and your wallets have holes in it. That's my son, right? Um, Give careful thought to your ways. Here, here's, I just want to pull out for a second because I think, I think this connects where, where we live today. What would it look like for us to slow down and give careful thought to our ways? you know there's only so many hours in a day and and no matter what we do we don't we don't gain any right there's only so many hours in a day, and so I think we have to give careful thought to what we 're focusing on. Uh, I had a friend the other day who said to me we were talking about you know nFL's getting ready to start right for all you bears fans and all you packers fans and you know, we still got, like, Pastor John, who's a Chiefs fan. We got a few others sprinkled around. But, but here, here's what I know. Like, Sundays are getting ready to get fun for many of you, right? Um, and one of the things that many football fans love is a thing called fantasy football. Now, for some of you, I don't need to explain that. For others, you get points according to how your people do. You know, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, but I was talking to someone the other day who said, man, I love fantasy football. And, and what I said to them is this, and this is no guilt on anybody who does fantasy football. This is my story, right? My story is this. I used to do fantasy football. And I have a personality that um, it's just hard for me to do things like partially. And I'm competitive. And so when I do something, I tend to be all in. And fantasy football was very bad for me. Like, Oh, my word, I would read article after article after article, and I would tune in to sports talk radio, and I would listen. And, you know, I I could be on a Sunday morning. Uh, This was many years ago before I ever came to Crossbridge. I could be on a Sunday morning thinking, oh, who should I play? Who should I play? Who should I put into it? And it got to the point where I thought, what am I doing, right? This doesn't even matter. It's it's completely like it has overcome my brain, and, and I am way too focused on it. See, here's what I want you to think about. What are, what are you focused on? Give careful thought to your ways. What are you focused on? What has absorbed your energy? What, is, what has taken your thoughts? Because here, here's sometimes I just think, we don't even realize it. We get to places where our brains are completely consumed and focused on something that is not God's big thing, but some small thing has become our big thing and what God has for us in his big thing has become the small thing. And, and truthfully, what we're chasing is never going to be fulfilling. And we're going to find ourselves in the same place as these people, which is miserable. More miserable each and every day. I believe that wholeheartedly. So I think what we've got to do is we've got to evaluate our priorities. Where are you on your spiritual journey? That, you may say, oh, that's a hard question, Kevin. Where are you? I just want you to think about it for a second. Where would you say you're at on a spiritual journey? One through 10. Well, Eight, nine, and 10 being like, man, I am like on fire for Jesus. And one being like, I am cold as a piece of ice, right? And I am far from Jesus. Some of you are like, I'm negative two. You know, whatever that is though, here's what I'll tell you. Don't, I, I'm not discouraged at whatever number you are. I think what I would be encouraged by is if you were to admit whatever number you are, And then do what you've got to do to get your priorities and your focus back to where you can begin to move warmer towards Jesus, to move closer towards Jesus. I think we have to evaluate ourselves, And the truth is, in this fearless series, it requires courage to do so. It takes a lot of courage to be honest about where we are. It takes a lot of courage to look inside and go, oh, man. Like, I don't really want to talk about it, but I'm way too focused on this area of my life, which is distracting me in, in regards to my relationship with Jesus. You know, just not long ago, we had the Leadership Summit. And uh, man, it's a great event. And my heart's desire is to be a better leader, um, a, a better leader. So I motivate leaders around me and, and I continue to be um, all that God has called me to be so I can have the greatest impact I can have on his kingdom. And so one of the exercises we did as a staff was after the leadership summit is we were supposed to go and, and write down our three things. Three things that we would take away from the leadership summit that meant the most to us. And, uh, and, and the truth is, I didn't just sit down and do that in 10 minutes. In fact, I have revisited it multiple times and uh, really trying to zero in on what are the three. Here, here's what I know about my life. I mean, if I picked out 10, I'm not gonna accomplish 10 things. But if I pick out three and I'll keep those on my desk there's a good chance I'm going to move forward because I stay focused on them. I can see it. It's in front of me. And if I want to make forward movement, I, in fact, I'm not going to tell you which one, but one of my things that I put down, I was very hesitant to put it down because even I knew, I thought, man, the, the staff is going to see this because it's a, it's a public document that we're sharing. And I thought, do I really want people to know I'm working on this one? Because if they know I'm working on this one, I have accountability on it, right? And, um, and that means I have to do something about it. See, I, I think for some of us, we've got, to, like, we've got to push through the fear of saying, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to risk and say, this is a place that needs change in my life. And God, I need you to help me move forward. Is God's big thing your big thing? When God's thing becomes the small thing, we're off track. We are not headed in the right direction. See, um, you too you were set free. Um, Think about these folks. They've, They've put Babylon in the rear view mirror. They've left Babylon, they've come back, and they were so excited in the beginning, and then they've just gotten off focus. My guess is for many of you, there were a time when you could recall so easily what your Babylon was and the fact that you'd left it and you were so excited about the, what, the, what the future was for you. And yet for many of us, it doesn't take long. In fact, there's times where we drift and we don't even know it. And we wake up one morning and we say, how did I get here? How, how did I drift so far and move from where I started? Our relationship with God is, um, it, it's, it should be our big thing. And, and God is asking us to consider our ways. In fact, I love what it says um, in that same passage I just read you, verse eight, go up into the mountains and bring down the timber and build the house. I feel like what God is saying is, hey, I I need you. You know, we we started with this idea, right, of give careful thought to your ways. Like, man, think about this and, you know, figure out where you are and be honest about, you know, your current situation. But then I, I love how it moves from it's got to move from your head to your feet. It's got to move from thinking about it to action. And, and I, just, I just think, you know, when I, when I read that, I'm like, man, that sounds like work, right? Go up into the mountains and bring down the timber and build a house. I felt like it's, it's God's way of saying, hey, you can think about it all day. You can sit and ponder and you can sit and reflect and you can go sit under a tree. But there's got to come a point where you move your feet you move your feet and you go up the mountain and you bring back the timber and you get back to my work. I think that's the challenge for us. The challenge is to recognize how much God is leaning in and how committed he is to us and what he's done for us and what he's set us free from and what he has set us free for. And that we would evaluate our lives and say, it is time to get after it. It is time to go up the mountain and to get the timber and get back to business Making God's big thing, my big thing. You know, I think it's really easy to um, to be hard on ourselves. And, and here's what I'm guessing. God's not being hard on you. In fact, what he's doing is he's reminding you and he's calling you to get back where you first started, zeroed in on what matters most, his relationship with you. There was a C.S. Lewis quote that I thought was really good. And it says this, put first things first and we get second things thrown in. Put second things first and we lose both first and second things. What we're going to do is um, in, in all of our um, services, uh, Peru, Morris, online, we're going to celebrate communion together. And as we come to the communion table, I think it's the right place for us to reflect. I think it's the, the right place for us to carefully consider our ways. I think it's the right place to think about God's investment in us and to think about his heart and what was invested in us and then ask ourselves, am I invested back into him? May we give careful thought to our ways as we come before him. In 1 Corinthians, the writer Paul, he says this, he's challenging the believers to think before they eat and drink, to evaluate their hearts and make sure that this taking of the elements is not Wrote, but it's real. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So then whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. I think as we examine ourselves today, it would be this. Father, I want your big thing to be my big thing. I want your upper story plan for me, to be revealed in my lower story. I want to be aligned with you. In fact, one of the things um, the a prayer that came to mind for me as I was wrapping up this this sermon and I was finishing it up and I don't I don't think it was an accident. I, I think it was the Lord and I and I think he spoke clearly is this verse came to mind. Psalm 139. Some of you might be familiar with it, others you may have never heard it. But here's what I thought we might do as as this comes to a close today. I I want you to to bow your heads with me and I'm gonna read you this scripture. And I'm gonna read it very slowly because I want you to make it your prayer. I, I think it's a very genuine kind of prayer and a great prayer to pray before we come around the table together. So are you ready? Bow your heads. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Know our hearts, God. Test us and know our anxious thoughts. Know what we're worried about. Know our cares. See if there's any offensive way in me. God, you are free to point out any point of sin. You are free to point out what is, um, what is a small thing that has taken away my focus. And lead me in the way everlasting. God, lead me towards you. Lead me towards having an incredible relationship with you. Help me to get back there. Father, I thank you for who you are and for the way that you love me and you love every person who is worshiping with me right now. God, search our hearts. Help us give careful thought to where we are. And Lord, I trust this, that if our desire is to move closer to you, you have always desired to be in close proximity to us. And that God, if we have sin that stands in the way, Lord, you've made a way for that sin to be covered through your son. Lord, we love you today and we are so thankful for the blood that was shed and the body that was broken that we could have close personal relationship with you. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name, amen.